Hi everybody. Um, we're trying something new. We're gonna try a daytime class. So let's see how it goes. And um, either way, it's gonna be saved. Everything is gonna be recorded. Um, like I said, we're gonna be putting it into a podcast. So I figured, you know what? It's the summer. Let's change things up a bit and let's go live during the day and see who's around during the day. Uh, if you're at work, just put in your ear pods and you could listen. Um, also, it's like a story, so I'll keep you entertained. Um, so yeah, we do have a nice crew coming in. Okay, thank you all for joining. Um, we are up to part three um, of the Bristol Book Club. Uh, for those of you who've been reading along, um, wow. Okay, we do have a nice amount of people coming in. Thank you. Hello, Meaningful Minute. Um, okay, let's get started. So we were up to the chapter um, where we just finished the provisions that the Viscery had asked for. So for those of you who are new, uh, welcome Daniela. For those of you who are new, let me just like recap you a little bit and um, we'll get started. So it goes like this. There was a story of Rabbi Nachman. He told his people that whoever heard this story always thought of Tshuva while he was out on a journey. And here's the story. And he told the story of the lost princess who was her father's favorite. He had, you know, um, six sons and one daughter. He loved the daughter. We explained that the six sons represent the toil and the effort in the six days of this week, and that the princess represents the holistic Shabbos experience. And he enjoyed to spend time with his daughter. On one occasion, he got upset at his daughter. And we explained that on one occasion, it means that she didn't appreciate the day to day. And every day was just like one day. And he told her, may the no good one take you. And then she stormed off and went to her room like an unhappy teenager, which some of you may have heard in your home. Um, and the no good one took her. And the next morning she was gone. And the king tried to look for her and he couldn't find her. So the Visri, who was the Shani Al-Malach, he actually stood up and he said, I'm going to find her. And he, we explained, represents the Nukuda Tova. He is the Chelek Al-Kami Mal Mamish. Um, for those of you who are following along on Thank You Hashem, we just released a brand new song yesterday with um, Ari Hill and Joey Newcomb. And the words are Neshama. We have a Neshama, that is Tahora. And it is a Chelek Al-Kami Mal Mamish. It is, it is a piece of Hashem that came down into us. And that piece, that chilek al mamish, that's inside of us, is the viscery who goes out to find the princess. Um, actually, yesterday was the anniversary of the story of the lost princess that Rabbi Nachman had told the story. I think it was over 200 years ago. I'm going to check. Um, it is on the Lost Princess Initiative. Um, so anyway, the Chela Galkami Mal Mamish, that part of us that comes from a world that is infinite and divine and spiritual, fully, fully spiritual and only once good, that Chela Galka went to go find and locate the princess. And he asked for three things. He asked for a horse, which is physical health. He asked for a servant, which is the intellectual support. And he also asked for money, provisions for his journey so that he should have this concept of like Yishev Adas of being able to go out and find the princess. Basically, he asked for a credit card to be able to take care of his needs to go out and find her. And he was granted those and he went out to go find her. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go to the chat. We're gonna continue the story. So I'm gonna read a little bit of that part of the story. So this is his path to go find the princess. So he traveled, the Viserys traveled here and there for a long time through deserts, fields, and forests. So we're going to explain what the desert, field, and forests are. Um, finally, while traveling through the desert, he saw a path to the side, 
and thought it over. And he says, since I have traveled so long in the desert and I cannot find her, let me follow this path. Uh, perhaps it'll bring me to an inhabited area and he walked for a very long time. So one thing that you're gonna notice in this story is that everything takes a long time. Like growing up, the longest like that occurred in a Jewish story was like 70 years. Um, um, by the Buxer tree, he fell asleep. He slept for 70 years. Like that was like a big deal, right? 70 years actually represents like a generation, right? 70 Nishamos went down to um, the Triumph, right? You become a nation at 70. So 70 is a big year. But here you'll find that now the Viserys starts to travel for a long time. He sleeps for a long time. So there's a lot of stuff happening. So let's try to understand what this concept is of him going through the desert, the field, and the forest, right? He's going to, find, he's going to try to find the princess and he travels this way. So he goes through three different landscapes. I feel like we're in an earth science class. Um, I happen to have loved earth science. Actually, interestingly, um, Joey Newcomb's mother-in-law was my earth science teacher. So this was way back before I even knew Joey. Mrs. Ackerman, shout out to you if you're ever watching. Um, so I always loved earth science, even though I'm not sure I passed the region. Um, no, I did. I think I got a 79. Um, why do I remember that? I don't know. Okay, so we have the desert, the field, and the forest. So on the onset, on the outset of his journey, he goes through these three different landscapes, the desert, the field, and the forest. So what does a desert represent? So a desert um, is, right, we receive the Torah in a desert, right? Artusral, big part of the landscape is desert. What is the essence, what is the panemius of a desert? So he explains that a desert is a place of desolation. A desert, there's very little growth, right? There's cactuses there. Um, and it's barren, and I don't know, in my mind, I just like think Gedi, even though it's probably not a desert because there's water there, but like, right, there are like mountains here. There are certain animals that only can survive in the desert. Um, and what happens is when we are in a desert, when we're in a spiritual sense of a desert, when we are like the panemius, like we said, of a desert, is that sometimes your heart is closed and sometimes your heart is numb and there's, it, it's really barren of anything materialistic and possibly spiritual. Right? So it's this empty place. There's like this deathly silence. And this is where his journey begins. Now, the avoda of the desert, okay, the, the, the concept of the desert is that Hashem is saying that even without seeing me and without feeling me, right? Think David Hamel spent a lot of his time in the desert hiding, right? Running away. Even though it's a place that really could be devoid of inspiration and, and Torah, if you're able to push yourself through, you are able to climb through the desert. Um, thank you, Yafa. <laughs> I appreciate that. You are the one who pushed me to do this. Um, so to, let's say, let's say you're, you're in a place where you're spiritually devoid, right? And, and, and you're, you're losing the luster and the excitement of, let's say, whether it's Shabbos or whether it's getting ready for Yantiv. I know some people are starting to like prepare for Rosh Hashanah and like making Simanim cards already. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like how do I even get there? Like I'm in a place that maybe now it's devoid of that. But being able to hold tight and to be able to say Nasev even though you don't feel connected, is the avoda and the work of going through a desert. So, you know, a desert obviously can have multiple meanings, but think about when we received the Torah in the desert, right? We were there in the desert. We, we, we didn't have anything, right? We complained when we were in the Midbar a lot for certain things. But if we were able to tap into the energy of Hashem in a desert, we have been able to overcome. You know, the concept of the viscery beginning in the desert is, um, you know, a very famous, like Chazal, that we say, kol has kashos, right? All beginnings are rough. 
And the viscera is like setting it out on his journey. And the first thing he hits is a desert. So really all beginnings are difficult, but eventually as you climb through the difficulty of maybe not feeling so inspired and maybe not feeling so excited about your Avodah Hashem and maybe not excited, you know, about upcoming Yom Tovim or, you know, some people were going into Tisha B'Av and feeling like not excited. Honestly, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I really, for me, I connect very much to Tisha B'Av. And I thought about this over Tisha B'Av and I said, you know, Tisha B'Av can be seen as a desert to a lot of people. A lot of people could think like, you know, there's no food, right? For sure, no food. And it's dark and it's hard and it's hot, right? Tisha B'Av is like during the summer and it's deep, dark. But if you're able to tap into what the energy of a desert means, if you're able to do it to Nasa Nishma, even if you're not fully understanding it and it's dark and it's hard and it's hot and you can't drink and you're just looking for a camel, you're looking for a cactus, you're looking for something. And if you're able to overcome that, you can come to the next step of development. And what's that next stage? That's a field. So the desert, so the viscery goes through the desert. He overcomes those physical dark challenges. Kal haschalos kashos, it's difficult. And then now he enters a field. Now, what do we know about a field? Um, I doubt any of us here have ever worked in a field. I go to a farm um, and that feels like a field. We go berry picking, we go strawberry picking, but what is the avoda of a field? So a field is this concept where there is vegetation and there is some growth, right? And you set up sprinkler systems and you have water and you're planting and you're working and you're sweating, but there is growth. You see something coming out of it. It takes a while, but then you'll have a tomato and then you'll have strawberries and you'll be like, oh, now I have a green thumb and I can start planting herbs. Don't plant herbs. They're really, really hard to plant. Um, but, you know, there's also a very, um, from David HaMelech, who went through the desert and then made his way to the field, he says, Hazarim um, Birina right? That with our, those who plant with tears, reap with joy. There's the, the, the concept of planting is very much based into our Yiddish guide. I'm pretty sure Joey Newcomb just had put out a song that you were planting with tears. The concept of planting is, you know, could be raising children are very much like plants. Um, there are those studies that people say that like you talk to your plants and then your plants listen. I, I don't do this because like I killed half my trees in my backyard, but maybe I should talk to them more often. But this idea where you plant and you speak and you, and, and you work on it and you actually do get to see something. So ultimately your, the, the, your labor will actually create something. Um, so the phase of the the field is like an in-between of a desert and a forest where you, you have to work, but you do see some growth. And then finally, the viscery went through the difficulties of the desert. He went through the, the challenges of a field and now he arrives in a forest. Now a forest represents, you know, imagine like a rainforest represents the ultimate of growth. It, re it represents tremendous life. There are animals that can live in the desert. There's wildlife, there's rain, there's water, there's trees, there's so much vegetation there. And it's almost like you've come to a place where you see what you've accomplished. So he's here in, you know, going on his journey. He finally makes it to the forest and the forest is incredible. It's amazing. The, the, the panemius of a forest would mean tremendous amount of life. Now, what do we know that always happens when there's so much life and there's so much good? What ends up happening is that sometimes that good becomes our downfall. So just um, here in this book, um, the author explains Yaakov Klein that simultaneously while there's so much growth, there's also so much place to hide. Within the forest, there's a lot of place to hide, right? You could go into the trees. In a desert, like, yeah, it's not as easy and neither is it in a field because there's a lot of like low-hanging fruit, you know? But in a forest, you can hide behind the facade of 
all the good that's happening in your life and you could sometimes think that it's your own you know um Right? So you, you know, you could have, you, you can enjoy the good times of a forest, but you need to remember to use it correctly. Um, and what happens is the forest at the end of this, he goes through a desert, a field and a forest. The forest actually ends up becoming part of his downfall. And it could be that he wouldn't have found the princess if he was stuck in there. So what are the next steps and what does he do? So if you read the story, it says he goes to the desert, the field, and a forest, and he's looked for a long time. And finally, he found a path on the side of his own. So he went through dark times, he went through like okay times, and he went through very good times. And this wasn't enough to get him to where the princess was. So what does it say? It says he found a path on his own side, on the side. What is this path on the side? So um, for those of you who go out and you hike and you travel and you know, you're, on, you're on the road and it's really a good idea to stay on the, like where the markers are when you're hiking. But if you it, like on the side happen to see a little pathway and it looks like people have walked there and you follow that, sometimes that path could take you to the most beautiful like um, view, a scenic view, or just a place where you can actually be on your own. And what's happening here is that the Vissery is on his journey to obviously find the princess, but also to find himself and to be able to find Shuva and to be able to tap into that Nakuda Toba with inside of him to be able to return to Hashem. And what's happening is he's going through all these moments and he realizes, one second, this is not going to do it for me. I need to find my own path on the side. And this teaches us something so incredible that although... There's Torah that's given to every single person, whether whatever school you go to, whatever yeshiva you go to, whatever shul you daven in. You learn certain things and you do certain things. But every single one of us, all of our souls, are really connected to a specific portion of the Torah. And what, in order for you to be the best you, you need to be able to tap into that part that connects to you the most. Um, I see this as an adult, like learning that calls to me is something that I appreciate and I learn. Like I felt like, you know, by reading this book, like this connected to me, maybe at a different part of my life, I connected to something else. But right now, this is where I'm going to shine. And if you want to tap into the best you, you need to find that unique spiritual expression. You need to find the way that you can bring the light of Hashem into this world. Um, whether it's a particular tefillah. Um, some people connect to a certain tefillah in Shemun Esri. Some people connect to a certain time of davening during the day. Some people connect to Mincha more. Some people connect to Shachras more. And some people actually find Hashem in the darkest, most challenging times because for them, that's where they need Hashem the most. So you have to find your unique strength and your your, I would say your calling of Yiddishkeit and you need to tap into that. I know, for example, Charlene Aminoff, she's a big, huge fan of pushing this concept of saying the Nishmas prayer every single day and it's something that she connected to so much and she's brought so many people to connect to that tefillah. There are people that connect to the tefillah of Ashrei. There are people who connect to certain things and if you could tap into that, you'll see yourself thriving more. Um, some people connect through fabrenging and singing and some people connect through sitting over Gemara and learning, but whatever it is, once you find that unique path, you need to do that. So on our mission to find this lost princess, the Visri has to discover that path to the side. He has to discover what his personal involvement in Torah and mitzvot is. And what ends up happening is here is we start to learn about this concept of hispodidus. Um, so for those of you who understand what hispodidus is, that's amazing. I think I'm still working my way through it. Um, but through this book, I've definitely learned to understand it. Um, he explains here, um, 
that in the early days of Rav Nassim and uh, Rabbi Nachman's relationship, Rabbi Nassim, his uh, most famous student, it says that Rabbi Nachman put his arm around um, his, his prize student on his shoulder and he said the following, he said, and further, it is very good to open up your heart before Hashem as you would to a truly close friend. So for me, those words really like hit the nail, you know, like exactly where it needed to be, that this is the foundation of his Fodidas, that although yes, Hashem is our father and he's our king and he's our Melech, he's also our closest friend. He's also someone that you need to actually reach out and talk to. And in order to form that relationship, you need to go to a, you need to go on your own path. You need to be involved in what we call hispodizus, which is a practice where you set aside time. Some people set aside hours or two hours, right? Like Hasidim will go to shul and they'll and they'll practice this concept of hispodizus before they even begin to dive in because it opens up their heart and it really, you know, you seclude yourself. You go into a room. You you go into this is the concept of like meditation. Like the world is picking up on meditation and yoga and all these practices because it allows you to have a conversation in your head with Hashem before you go out and to do a mitzvah. And Rabbi Nachman explains that, you know, when people would travel back in the days, it was very scary. Um, there was always thieves on the road and there was always, um, you know, robbers on the way and, and then people would get kidnapped and ransomed and all those scary things, right? And, you know, just like you would, were to go out onto a journey, you apologize, just like when you go out on a journey, you would have to be careful of robbers and thieves. When you go out to Davin and when you go out to pray, you have to recognize that the Yetahara is like on a mission to get you to be distracted, to get you to think about somebody else, to get you to like be looking at what the other person's wearing and start going down that like a rabbit hole of like, where'd you get that dress, where's that from, um, right? And this will actually like prevent our telos from entering into Shemayim and to go into the proper place. So just like you have that on the road, you also have that within your spirit, in spirituality, we also have the same thing and we don't wanna be ambushed while we're davening. So this concept of preparing yourself for davening and this avodah of hispodidos really allows for what we referred to last week as yishav hadas, of having mental clarity, of having, like, of having a clear, lucid mind to be able to connect to Hashem. And he writes that when the visceri found his own path, when he went to the side, he actually gained clarity. So he had to go through all the steps of the desert, of the forest, of the field, and of the field and of the forest. And the idea that he was able to pass those, then he found his own way on the side, his path, his unique path to connecting to Hashem is really how we have to go about our journey. So we need to recognize that there are gonna be highs and there are gonna be lows and there's gonna be barrenness and then there's also gonna be lush wildlife. And through that, throughout that journey of life, we need to be able to find our unique path to be able to connect to Hashem. Okay, so let's see how this goes this daytime. Um, what we're gonna do next week is we're gonna go on to finding the princess actually, and she was actually in a castle and we're gonna learn about the castle that she was in. Um, so if anybody has any questions, please feel free to message me. If anybody still wants to swipe up to the book, let me know um, and stay tuned for next week. Thank you so much for joining.